Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. James Orr here and Bob the Bowhunter Borland. What's going on, Bob? How much, man? How you doing, James? Oh, man, pretty good. Caught, caught my first two steelhead today. Nice. Your first two ever? Ever, man. I just oh, started shoot. steelhead fishing a, a week ago. I'd always wanted to do it, and I had friends always telling me to do it, but I'm always so like, I'm shed horn hunting, I'm bow hunting, I'm just scouting, I'm... And I don't know. It seems like this year I, you know, filled some tags and was kind of like, I need, I need another hobby. Well, it's good to get some fish in the diet too. It's, I'm kind of missing that. You know, I don't fish much anymore, and you can only eat elk and deer meat so often. And the wife's like, I want something a little different. So that's sweet, man. Yeah, I used to, I used to go a lot with my brother. Uh, don't go much anymore. But when you were talking about it, I thought you'd always gone. I didn't know it was your first two. Congrats, man! Catching two in one day too. That's uh, Impressive. Yeah, yeah. I've been fishing all week long. Uh, some some mornings and nights, or just evenings, or just mornings. But I've been going at it for a week. And I told my wife last night, I was like, I've got to catch one. Just one this year. I got to catch one. And I've uh, been going with a good friend of mine, Saspy. And we went into one of his spots this morning, and uh, he said, "Go ahead and throw the the first one out there." And on the on the first cast, bam! Nice fish on fish on sweet so I'm, I'm, I'm i'm hooked <laughs> yeah yeah it's another good hobby to get into steelhead fishing yeah. for sure yeah i kind of want to take my uh fly rod out and rig it up and try 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 it that way too yeah so yeah i'm super excited about that and um the other thing that i would really like to add to my diet to my freezer is some swine. Yeah, yeah, we did an yeah. awesome, awesome podcast here tonight with Brian Morris. He's a pig killing AKA, machine. Yeah, AKA Blacktail Pro Staff Pro Athlete Brian yeah. Morris, <laughs> pig That's killing right. machine. Yeah, it was super fun talking to him. He seems like a good dude, and it really, really makes me want to go pig hunting. I've always kind of wanted to do it, watching videos when I was a kid. Man, he lives in the spot for it. It sounds like he gets to get out quite often, and I think he said he's killed a hundred of them or something. So, over a hundred with the stick bow, and he—I mean, he goes like any day. I mean, it seems like he went last Friday night, and I think they got three or four. Um, he's always going, uh, doing it. I think it's off year-round, different techniques, different tactics depending on the weather. Uh, but it seems like if he's got a uh, a free Friday night, he's chasing pigs with the stick and string. It's I'm jealous. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's get Brian on. Welcome to the Track Quest podcast. Tonight we've got Brian Morris from California. How uh, how sunny California tonight, Brian? Uh, it's uh, it's sunny, but it rained most of the day, so it's it's sunny now anyway. Yeah, it's it's nice to have the the blacktail pro staff pro athlete 
<laughs> online tonight. <laughs> yeah. I guess there's just one of them. <laughs> I don't know where the I don't know where the athlete came in, but you you look like an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not feeling like it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, are you uh, originally from California? Yeah, I was uh, born and raised uh, here in Fairfield, uh, California. Um, that's uh, I would just to kind of put it in perspective. I'm about 45 minutes to the north and south of Sacramento uh, and San Francisco. Pretty much um, in the middle middle of the state. Right, right, yeah, kind of right in the middle, just just over the hill from Napa Valley. So yeah, that's and that's pretty much Pig Central. Yeah, Hog Central, Blacktail Deer Central, and we got piles of turkeys. Cool. So, so how uh, how long have you been doing the traditional archery, traditional bow hunting thing? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it today, and I got my first my first bear recurve. I think when I was eight or nine years old, my grandfather owned a Western store, and he had a little archery counter in there, and he sold bare bows and then he got into compounds and I shot a compound for about a year and a half and went right back to a recurve just just because I shot it a lot better I could never hold a pin on a on an animal or a target long enough to you know uh, you know stay steady enough I guess to, to shoot straight and hit, hit you know hit anything and uh I guess it was uh 88 or 89 I got a nice custom bow from from Charlie Bisher out at stalker recurves and shot his bows for years and so that was the original owner of stalker yes yeah okay he sold it to south i don't remember it's been you know five six years ago did did he get was he influenced by uh jim brackenberry or charlie uh yeah i think the the story i heard from charlie was he bought way too many 88 pound recurves from uh jim brackenberry and Jim finally told him one day, I'm tired of making them. You need to drive up here and make your own. And, uh, uh, I think, uh, Charlie and Norm were pretty good friends and, you know, kind of doing the same thing and, uh, you know, learning from Jim and, uh, and, uh, he's built those not really full time, but, you know, South has, has, has taken it to the next level for sure. Yeah. yeah you can definitely see that, uh, that Jim Brackenberry influence amongst, you know, that a lot of the Northwest, um, West coast boyers. Yeah. I like to pop by Charlie's house once in a while. He's got an out, an attic full of Brackenberry bows and old, old bows that he made that look just like, you know, some of Jim's, uh, I like to steal one once in a while. <laughs> yeah, totally. So while we're on equipment, I mean, how, how, so how, how old are you now, Brian? I'm 45. 45 so you've been doing this a really long time how has your uh, equipment changed as far as recurves and longbows and arrows and you know how's your setups changed over the years you know i shot i shot recurve exclusively probably for i don't know 12 to 15 years and could just never really shoot a longbow well and you know back i don't know eight, 10 years ago, some of these high red longbows start coming on the market and, and, uh, I just shot them really well. So I've kind of switched back and forth between those type longbows and, you know, recurves, you know, wooden arrows, 
aluminum arrows, carbon arrows. I've tried it all. You know, right now I'm shooting, you know, a takedown uh, longbow from blacktail bows and uh, wooden arrows and two-blade broadheads kind of. Oh, you're back. back to what I started with. Okay, so yeah, you're going back to the wood arrows this year. Um, and I know you, somewhere in the mix, you even dabble with the self-boat, sounds like. Yeah, I took a class uh, from John Strunk um, years ago and uh, built a bow with him and made some bows myself in the garage. And uh, I think I still have an attic full of broken ones, you know, trying to do it <laughs> myself. And I think that's how it started. And then John Strunk actually came into California and spent some time on a, on a friend of mine's farm and we had eight, you know, eight or 10 of us for four or five days, just building bows. And we had a great time and I built some nice bows out of the, you know, out of the week that he was here and, and, uh, you know, did some hunting, you know, with those bows and, you know, shot some pigs and deer and turkeys with it. And, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, definitely fun, fun building and fun hunting with, uh, something that you made. Absolutely. That's really cool. So, uh, Go ahead, Robert. Hey, while we're still on the longbows, um, are you shooting the the three piece takedown that Blacktail makes? Yes, that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm currently shooting right now. And did you? It's a sixty two inch, about fifty three pounds. I've actually dropped the weight over the years. I shot sixty five pounds, and it seems like every year I get less and less weight, and and uh, I'm enjoying shooting a lighter weight and seem like i'm doing this you know just as much damage as i did with a, a 65 pound bow yeah it seems like that's everybody's kind of realizing 50 pounds is enough now and they shoot a little better yeah. and so when you switch from the recurve to that uh three-piece longbow did you try any of the other you know the one piece the lighter mass bows because i'm i'm really looking at one of those three pieces because i've always shot a recurve and i know they're quite a bit quieter at least from what i've seen because they don't have the limb contact and everything but i'm so used to my recurve handle and the mass weight i have one of the old school d style and i have days where i shoot amazing with it and then i have days where i can't hit anything with it so did did you have good luck kind of smaller switch going to the more mass in there yeah you know i i i shot both of them equally as well i i think i'm kind of a rare creature that you know, anymore, I've been shooting, uh, you know, traditional bow for so long. I, I can pick one up and seem to shoot it well. Um, and I don't know why that is. I enjoy shooting a 66 inch, uh, you know, one piece longbow, uh, probably more than, than, you know, any of my other bows now. Um, but I'm, I'm getting into where I'm shooting the shorter bows and they seem like they're not, you know, you know, stacking like they used to. And, you know, they're making them much nicer, you know, 10 years ago, you shot a 60 inch recurve or long bow or 62 inch and felt like you were trying to pull back a two by four. Maybe, maybe <laughs> and, you're just not, maybe you're just not drawing the bow back all the way, Brian. Well, that, that could be, <laughs> I've, I've got the very distinct, uh, you know, snapshot that I've had for several years. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't notice a trend. I mean, I feel like the three piece long bow I'm shooting now to a recurve. I feel like I'm shooting the same bow. You know, yeah. when you go into, you know, like, you know, like blacktail bows, 
you know, when you, when you go into their one piece, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, you know, kind of shooting a recurve there. I don't notice it as much as like the old style. Yeah. Um, you know, those aren't as enjoyable, you know, to shoot, you know, for me, you know, they're pretty hand shocky and, and, uh, stuff like that. I mean, there's some newer ones on the market that, that I've shot at shoots or grabbed somebody's bow. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty and shot some arrows. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, they're, you know, the, you know, the technology and stuff and some of these different, I don't know if it's the glasses or the bamboo or, you know, they just seem to be, you know, smoother and shoot nicer. And, you know, you don't get as much as that, that hand shock that, you know, you used to. So I'm sure it has a lot to do with the materials and strings and stuff being used, you know, today. Yeah. For yeah, sure. For, for me, I like the, the hybrid longbow cause he's, it's smooth, but then you kind of, run into like that firm back wall where a recurve is kind of gushy back there. And I, I like the feeling when I get to full draw uh, on the long bow and then they're a little quieter. So, yeah, I, I, I probably never reach full draw. So <laughs> I, I, I might not ever reach that, that spot you're talking about, but well, keep, keep trying, Brian, keep trying. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so your struggle over the years with trying to hold the bow and shoot. I, I'm not the guy that draws the bow and holds for, you know, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then let go. I'm, I'm that guy that's, I'm kind of at quarter draw and I'm picking a spot and I'm staring and, and then uh, you know when it touches the, you know, the edge of my face, it's gone and I, it's been very consistent and it's worked for me and, and, uh, but uh, most people look at me and go, how. How do you shoot like that? I'm I'm like the opposite. I get to full draw, and if it weren't for the clicker, I don't know if I'd ever let go. (laughs) Well, if it it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, well, that's why I thought. I tried a clicker once. I got talked into it, and I don't know why I even tried it, but I I, I did that for about a day, and I peeled it off. I'm I'm sitting there shaking, trying to hold the thing and get it to click, and I'm like, (laughs) what am I doing that for? Yeah. Totally different strokes for different folks. So I know, I know you were shooting carbons last year, but we talked when I was switching to wood arrows and you were giving me some advice on building them. Cause I know you shot woods for a long time and you've built a lot of wood arrows. So it sounds like you're uh, dabbling with some uh, woodies again. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, I tend to go back and forth. I mean, I'm, you know, you're always trying something new or different and, it's always something new on the market, but I, I tend to go back to woods. Um, I, I just, I, I, I like them. I, I love building them. I love, you know, staining them and, you know, starting with a dowel that, you know, I, you know, I, I usually uh, use either cedar or fir shafts and um, I just love staining them and building them and tapering them and, you know, and just, you know, cresting them and just kind of making your own arrow, you know, and uh, I love shooting them. You know, they're, much quieter you know i cry when they break but uh well the first i've been shooting as norm johnson says rule number one in archery is don't fall in love with your arrow so absolutely uh, absolutely. yeah so (laughs) i've I've, I've lost i've lost enough of them i sprayed them all over the oregon coast there norm's backyard shooting at elk (laughs) yeah that's awesome (laughs) well why don't you uh why don't we transition into uh the state of California and how that works as far as uh, the deer seasons and and pig seasons. And I I know you guys have Thule elk and Roosevelt elk and Rocky Mountain elk, but the tags are pretty sparse and you guys have big horns. I mean, give us a little kind of a quick rundown 
of uh, you know what it's like for maybe a resident or a non-resident that's looking to come to the Sunshine State and do some bow hunting. Yeah, I'll I'll start with the tough ones. Uh, the you know the sheep and the elk tags are, you know they're like hitting a lottery. I mean I've been applying my whole life and I lucked out last year and drew a cow elk tag, and it was on a random you know it was the random draw and I I you know checked the box that hey if somebody backs out I'll take a tag and I literally got a phone call three weeks before season, and uh, uh, unfortunately the rancher that you know, I, I was doing the hunt on, he didn't, he looked at my bow and said, you can't hunt here with that. You have to gun hunt. I've never gun hunted anything in my life and ended up shooting a cow elk with a a rifle. And, uh, it was totally different (laughs) and, uh, wasn't something, uh, you know, that, you know, it wasn't as much fun or satisfying to me. I'm not not knocking it in any way, but, um, I mean, those tech, yeah, it was a meat tag. I for sure. It was. Yeah. I'm not complaining about the elk steaks I've been eating. Yeah. So, but uh, <laughs> you know, the sheep tags and elk tags. There's just not that many, and there's so many people applying. Just like in all, you know, all the other states are very difficult. You know, to draw. You know, you know, a lot of guys will buy them in auctions and raffles, and you know, spending you know thousands of dollars for them, and that's just uh, that's not in, up my alley. I, but. Uh, yeah, as far as the deer hunting and bear and pigs, you could pretty much get a tag in most of the state. Uh, there's units along the coast. There's A tags, B tags, and D tags that are, you know, basically run down the coast, California, all the way down to L.A., and you could pretty much get those tags yearly. Um, and then there's some draw units for mule deer and, uh, you know, stuff like that going kind of eastern. Uh, kind of middle of the state, you know, going towards uh, along the the Nevada border and, and Oregon and stuff. Um, you know, some of those special units um, and those hunts can be really good. I tend to I tend to buy my A zone tags and you know hunt blacktail deer. I've been fortunate to have a couple of ranches that I can hunt that um, you know that are loaded with pigs and turkeys and and uh, and deer. And I think and, uh, it, yeah. like you guys have like the earliest deer season opener in the whole entire United States in one of those zones, right? Yeah. Our, 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 our A zone season for archery starts the second weekend in July. And you could hunt that. You could hunt that with archer equipment, or if you were a bow gun guy, you could, you could hunt all the way through September. This uh, like the third weekend in September. Um, I, I love hunting them. The, the first, you know, you know, a week or two, you know, the bucks are in the velvet. They're just, you know, the ranch I have to hunt, they're laying out on open hillsides and, you know, they're laying in slides and it's all spot and stock. Um, those deer, you know, with the velvet, you know, they won't get into the brush or the trees or anything. And they're just, they're laid out everywhere and, in the open. And, and then and this is transition black- into September. This is black tailed deer, black tailed deer. And then as you, as you get into, you know, the second week of September, right around the seventh, eighth, ninth, our, our black tailed deer are starting to rut. And, uh, I, what? yeah, I shot a buck this year. Uh, I don't remember what date it was the ninth or 10th or something like that. Went out there on a Friday night after work and walked down a road and I had bucks chasing does and I followed them all around, you know, all around the ranch. And, and by the time I got, 
you know, on them and ended up shooting a buck. There was four of them and they were fighting and chasing and, and, uh, it was one of the coolest hunts. So tell us about this hunt because it's not really like a spot and stock bedded buck. You're kind of ambushing them and then like, you know, you're kind of doing a cat and mouse chase with them. Would you give us kind of a, uh, tell us that story of, of, of this year's, uh, buck hunt? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I was just, I was kind of walking up this uh, dirt road on the ranch and there's one part of the ranch. that's probably, probably, I don't know, 150 acres of the, of the property's got some oak trees and about September, first part of September, the, the acorns start falling while well, the does are in there eating and those bucks are in there with them and they start chasing. And, uh, I just walked up the road and had a, had a doe run across the road in front of me and here come a nice fork and horn. And then here come a nice three pointer. And they kind of went up the hill and I was doing the cat and mouse and trying to get the wind in my favor and had to run up the road, you know, you know, a hundred yards or so and cut up the hill and ended up, uh, ended up getting up on these deer in this, this bowl after, you know, an hour and a half of chasing them around. And this doe had got in this little greasewood, uh, you know, brush that was about, 15 yards across, maybe around. And she's in the middle of it, not wanting to even move. And these bucks are running around this thing, trying to figure out, you know, how to get to her. And then once in a while they would stop and fight each other. And there was two nice bucks pushing each other down the hill and, and they were just running in circles. And one of them got in there on one side and pushed her out. And another, you know, she comes running by me at, you know, point blank. And here comes, I mean, he wasn't even one of the nicer, I mean, he's a nice buck, but he's about a 21 inch wide, you know, forked horn. And he comes running by me at 10 yards. And I, I saw him coming as a full draw and he ran by me and, and almost came to a stop when I shot him. And, uh, and, uh, he, he whirled and ran down the hill and, and, uh, I watched him, watch him expire. But, uh, that's, awesome. that's, 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 you know, it's not rare that time of year but usually it's such a great place to hunt in the ranch that I have. And, and during, you know, July, I've got, you know, it's always hot in California, but that time of year in Napa Valley, you got fog rolling in every morning and sometimes five thirty, six o'clock at night, you got all these big fog banks rolling in over the hills and it makes it ideal for stalking. And, you know, the wind's always blowing and you, know, you find these deer in a slide or a cut. It's, it's, it's really easy to get, you know, 10, 15 yards or, or even closer. I mean, sometimes I've found myself where I'm, you know, I could feel like I could reach out and touch them with the lint tip and, you know, that's probably too close. Uh, but you know, they get lost in the brush or, or some of the pickle weed or something, you know, they might be laying in. Uh, that's when I really like to hunt them when I'm stalking them, when I can look out, you know, and find them, you know, hunting in the rut is a blast as well. But, um, uh, I'd rather find one and, you know, get the wind in my favor and, and, you know, sneak up on them that way. So it seems like quite the phenomenon to have them rutting in September. And I've talked to some guys that live like way North, Northern California, and they seem to, the deer seem to rut like in November, like they do um, in most places. Like where, is it just an isolated pocket or is it like from central all the way down to Southern California? I think where, what do you know about that isolated i think uh you said it right i think i'm kind of in an isolated pocket because i i'll talk to guys that are hunting way to the south of me or you know even north and they're like what you're deer rutting that can't be 
And sometimes I'll see the deer out on the ranch where I'm just, you know, out hiking for exercise or stump shooting on a weekend, you know, November, I'll still see them, you know, kind of chasing like there's a second rut going on. But, um, you know, usually when I'm, I, we have them in Napa around that time of year and they're, and they're rutting, it's like the Napa Valley and maybe a little bit north of there. They're, you know, they're going, you know, pretty hard, you know, in the middle of September. And if it's 80 degrees or, you know, 60 degrees, you've got some rut action. For, uh, and I don't hear about it up north, like you said, until later, you know, until yeah. a month or two later. That's, that's really interesting. Uh, I know like in Mississippi and Alabama, they have this late rut that, but not everywhere. Some of, some of their deer, some of the areas it's like November, like everywhere else, but then they have these pockets that rut in January and February. And so, uh, that's interesting that you guys have this pocket that's really early. Um, I, I must be pretty fun to take advantage of that for sure. Yeah. The, you know, and I would, uh, I'm not the normal creature. I would, if I still have a tag in September, I would probably, you know, most years I've got a tag. If I still have a tag, I'm, I'm elk hunting somewhere in September. And every year I'm thinking about, I could be wild. Last year I was in Wyoming hunting elk and I'm going, man, I wish I was back home already because the deer are rutting and I, and I just love it. Yeah. I love hunting those black tail deer. If it's, if they're rutting or spotting and stalking and, um, you know, there's a lot of years that that's happened yeah. where I'm off elk hunting for two weeks going, man, I still have a tag. I want to get back home because I, I, I just love, yeah, yeah I'm chasing them. I'm, I'm a black tail nut also. And, and just hearing about that, even though it's in September, it makes me, uh, yeah. want to come down and join you one of these years, even if I have to give up some bugling bulls. Yeah. And that, and that's the big problem in California is, you know, where do you go and you know, what, yeah, who's going to let you hunt or what's right. it going to cost? You know, there's, you there's know, the no public. and yeah. now there's no, there's public land, but the public land is thick. It's brushy. It's nasty. doesn't mean you can't find them and, and, uh, you, you know, shoot something. Uh, but it's just tougher. You know, the, you know, the A zone units that are open to the public are very thick, very brushy. And when it's, uh, you know, Rifles. When rifle season opens, there's lots of people in there. Uh, you may get away from some guys during bow season, but and um, it, it's so brushy. I've been told. Tell them, correct me if I'm wrong, but that I've heard it's so brushy and there's so much uh, uh, poison oak that they still allow dogs to push deer on deer drives with dogs. Is that still legal? You know, it's not. I don't know if you're allowed to actually push deer with a dog. I know it's legal to have a dog with you while you're hunting deer, but I don't think, I think that, uh, I don't, I don't remember to be honest with you, but I, I don't think it's legal to run okay. any game in California with a, with a dog. The dog. Um, okay. At one there, point, there is, know, there, there's they weird that. laws where like, you can't even have a dog with you in the woods or something during both season. You can't even carry a, a firearm if you were, if I was on a private ranch and I wanted to take a, a rifle for shooting coyotes, I'm, you know, it's illegal to have a firearm with you while you're hunting, while you're bow hunting and, and you know, anywhere, you right. know, unless you were probably an officer or something like that, you know, sure. And if you had a permit, I guess, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I must have been mistaken. I seems like I'd read somewhere where the guys were using be, uh, little beagles to, to uh, push blacktail out of the poison Oak in a rifle season. It must've been a long time ago. It could have been. I mean, it, it, and I could be wrong. It it could be legal. I would 
I would be surprised if it was it just, sure. this last couple of years, like Oregon and everywhere else, they've, they cut out all the, you know, right. the, you, know you can't dog, uh, you know, bears anymore. You can't, you know, hunt, uh, bobcats anymore with hounds. Yeah. I, I think you could still chase like foxes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it I could be it, wrong there though, too. It, but. It's almost surprising that they even allow you to hunt in California <laughs> with well, all the yeah, regulations. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's getting to be a tough place to live. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, I've been very fortunate over the years though, to be surrounded by ranchers and farmers that I've, I've, you know, grown up with that allow me to, you know, where there's piles of turkeys and deer and, and, and hogs and, you know, like, I mean, the hogs, nobody wants them. They want them thinned down and shot because right. they're so destructive to the farmland or, you know, if they're, you know, going into almonds or wheat or hay or alfalfa, you know, you know, whatever right. is growing, they could travel, you know, a mile to five miles to go and tear it all up that night and turn around and leave, you know, and be out of there before sun comes up. <laughs> so before we transition into the hogs, um, when do these deer seasons wrap up? Because don't, they don't even, most of the areas don't even quite get to the rut, right? Yeah, a lot of them don't. A lot of them, you won't, uh, yeah, there's some late season rut hunts or that, that are special draws for, for, you know, mostly, um, what they call a general season and you could use a bow or gun. Uh, most guys that are doing that are probably gun hunting. Um, you know, our archery season starts in, you know, July in the A zone and goes through September right about around that same time is when a lot of the, you know, all the other archery seasons are, are, are coming to an end. They start opening up the second, third weekend in August and they only, they only last for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, the A zone, A zone, B zone, D zone, if you were to get an archery only tag, that allows you to hunt multiple units in, in the A, B, you know, A through D. Um, then you can catch multiple seasons, which there's a lot of guys, you know, that do that. Um, but you got to have a lot of places, you know, to go. I mean, I don't, I don't like to go out and, you know, fight the crowds and it, uh, you know, a lot of the public land here in California, there's, there's a lot of guys going. So, you know, it's limited on where you can go. If it's, even if it's Eastern and, you know, East of, uh, Red Bluff and Redding and Corning and, you're up in the hills and some of those areas it's it's all it's just overloaded you know with you know with hunters so where's the blacktail line end and the, the what they call the coastal mule deer um you know where where's that influx uh between those s- subspecies yeah they they say everything west of five is considered a blacktail deer now you know those deer are crossing five in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. So I, I've shot, I've shot deer three hours, you know, east of five that look just like the black tailed deer that I'm hunting here in Napa. So you'll, you'll see as you start getting up into the, the Sierras and stuff, you'll see some deer and change. You'll see like a hybrid, you know, look, looks like a 200 pound black tailed deer, you know, and you know, those are, you know, you know, a you know, a cross probably between a mule deer and a, and a um, black tail. Um, as you get eastern, more eastern, you start seeing more and more just the mule deer look. But, you know, so basically everything west of five is what they consider, you know, for the record book. So, you know, if you keep track of that, everything west of five is, you know, considered a blacktail. 
That's or you awesome. can enter it as a black tail deer. Okay. Well, I know uh, California is known for some, you know, big masher black tail bucks, but it seems like uh, most people want to travel down to your state to uh, chase hogs. And I, I know I, I'm itching to get down there. And, you know, they say they say hog hunting is built for traditional bow hunters. And so why don't we dive into that and um, tell us, you know, how how that is uh, maybe has has it evolved or um, in, you know, give us some give us some uh, lowdown. Is that is that open year round? Yeah, hog hunting is year round. They years ago when I first kind of started had the itch to chase them there were seasons in certain areas um like up around red bluff they had a you know they had a season on them there and then uh just over the years there's such a nuisance and there's so many people trying to get depredation tags now to you know wipe them out off their properties and ranches for being so you know destructive that uh I think it's just open year round. You could shoot as many as you want, you know, in a day. When I first started hunting them, you didn't have to buy a tag. You could kill, want to shoot 20 in a day, you could. But you could still do that, but you have to have a tag for, you know, each one that you take. Um, which, you know, for residents, you know, they're fairly cheap. I guess they're 20 bucks a tag, but non-residents, you know, they're $75, I think. That's um, weird. That's kind of strange to sell a tag for a uh, invasive species, but I guess uh, it's, uh, it creates revenue. California, right? Yeah, there's, there's another one of those California questions. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. yeah, they're they're you have to they'll they'll cite you for you know not having a tag or you know for a varmint basically or something that they're trying to destroy or get rid of in California. But yeah, it's just a you know way to you know make some money, I guess. Yeah. So, so you used to be able to buy a book. You you, you could for seven dollars you could buy five five pig tags in a book. Now they're twenty dollars a piece for a resident, and you know seventy five dollars or something like that for for a non resident. Okay. So, and is there um, is there opportunity on public land for pigs in California? You know, again, there's there's some public land that that you know like around the coast and some of those same A zone type units I was telling you about and going all the way into Southern California and there's hogs on, you know, uh, on some public land, they're kind of moving in and out, you know, when someone finds them, you know, they usually get up there every weekend and pressure them and on them and shoot at them. And, you know, they kind of move in and out of, you know, private versus public. And, you know, they kind of go back and forth, uh, because once they get pressured, they'll move off, um, uh, but they'll come back, you know, um, you know, a lot of times for hogs, it's where there's a, a you know, a source of, of feed. If there's, you know, barley fields or wheat fields, or you got some ranches that are loaded with acorns or fruit trees, or, you know, they're just, they're thick, you know, you won't typically see them in some of the super sagebrushy and juniper country when, I mean, you will, but there's gotta be a food source somewhere where they're, uh, you know, going to it. At least that's what I found. I mean, they could be in areas that I've, that I haven't hunted yet that are, they're just, uh, and they're thick, but seems like wherever you got acorns, you know, a lot of oak trees and, you know, different types of fruit trees out of ranch once that was full of, had pears and, you know, all these cherry plum trees. And they just, there was never a hog on the ranch 
all year. And as soon as the fruit came in, you can go out to the ranch and you could find pigs laying under all those trees. And when fruit would fall, they'd get up and walk over there and like, you know, eat it, <laughs> you know, or, you know, or pick it up. Uh, and a lot of the ranches so, that I hunt now, they're going in and out of, you know, wheat fields or, you know, barley fields, you know, or even, uh, you know, grapes. So you know, Napa Valley, they're very destructive to the wine business if they get into some vineyards. So for a non-resident, um, you pretty much have to secure, I mean, do people let you hunt because they're an invasive species? Is there any chance you go down there and, and knock on doors or is it something that you should go with? Uh, cause I know I've looked into it a few times and there's quite a few outfitters down there that do pig hunts. Is that what you recommend for a non-resident? Well, for a, for a non-resident that doesn't have the time, unless you got the time and the money just to drive up and down the coast, you know, knocking on the door. That's how I first started because I didn't, I couldn't afford to spend three hundred dollars on a on a pig hunt. And when I first started chasing them, or now they're all the way up to you know that five hundred dollars for a day hunt, up to eight hundred dollars yeah. for a weekend hunt. You know, it, it you know it's it's expensive uh, to go you know with some of the outfitters. And there's some great hunts with outfitters, and I, I would recommend that if you're gonna you know you know come down and do it once in a while. I would say, you know, do some research and, you know, find a good outfitter and, and I'd say, you know, go with them. Um, if you got the time to, you know, drive around up and down, you know, 101 or, you know, from the Oregon border all the way down to Southern California, you'll find some people that just want them gone. Yeah. Um, occasionally I'll get a phone call. Hey, I heard you like hunting pigs. I've got, you know, I've got 30 or 40 pigs that are, you know, coming to my orchard at night. Could you come hunt them, please? Um, <laughs> Sure. Yeah, a bunch, a bunch <laughs> of uh, a bunch of my family, my dad, my brother and sister, they all live in uh, Paso Robles, and they keep telling me that they've got all kinds of people that will let me on. I just need to, yeah, actually go down there and pursue it. And um, from what you said, that's a pretty good area for hogs. Yeah, that that's about three hours to the south of where I live, but it's I was running hunts uh, through an outfitter down there, Tom Willoughby. Um, He's a great guide, and uh, he's got a great – that's what he does. Full-time, he hunts pigs. And we are going down there three times a year with anywhere from eight to 14, you know, stick bow guys. And we'd all go down there, and everybody would fill a tag. And, you know, some guys were six, seven shots in, you know, <laughs> you know before they got one. And there was – you know, we used to see a, over 100 hogs a day down there in some of that country. And that was – you know, there's barley fields and uh, stuff like that down there, and those pigs were living in the hills right up along those fields. And there were certain times of the year that you could find them bedded in uh, some sagebrush or junipers, or if you wanted to sit down by, you know, at the edge of a barley field, and uh, and they would come pouring out the hills. If they weren't, you know, hunted a lot and pressured, you might see, you might have 30 come down, you might have one, you might see, you know, 100 hogs in a night, and you're just you know, they're just pouring out of the hills. Uh, and they'll travel, like I said, I've seen them travel, you know, one to three miles a night. You'd see them in a basin, you're trying to hunt them, and you could just see them going up and over some of the steepest, nastiest country to get, you know, to that food source at night. Uh, are they moving like at like elk pace or? You know, they'll, they will. I mean, when it's time to go, they go. And some of their trails, 
you can drive up and down the coast of California and you'll look at trails going, my boy, that looks like cattle trails. And I, I mean, you always know when it's a hog trail, it's coming straight up and down some of the nastiest stuff. If it's going side, side hell on, it's probably a cattle trail, but these hogs will go up and down some of the steepest stuff. And there's trails through areas that are so beat solid and they are hog trails and it looks like a cattle trail. They get the, the, the ranch I hunted, uh, the elk on this year, that place was loaded with hogs and the trails coming off this guy's ranch going out to the almonds was just looks like old cattle trails. I thought they were the elk trails and the guy's like, no, nope. he said, I've never seen any of my cows or the elk on that, on any of those trails. It's been solid hogs for, you know, the 35, 38 years. I think he said his family on that ranch. So are they, and, uh, are they nocturnal during the day? I mean, you hear that a lot when guys talk about pig hunting, um, are they out and about? Are you hunting you what, them all day? You know what? Will you, if you've, what I've seen is if you're hunting a ranch that's been hunted a bunch, you'll, I mean, they're, they are kind of nocturnal. You won't just catch them out and about. Um, some of the places that I'm hunting now, there's not a lot of guys hunting them. There's not a lot of pressure. You know, we just bow hunt them only. And you could walk around during the day and you might find one sacked out on the open hillside with not a tree for a hundred yards. Um, you'll see them up two, three o'clock eating grass. And sometimes right at dark, they're, you know, they're bedded down. If you're not, they're not pressured. And, and I think it depends on their diet. Um, you know, if they're gorging on almonds or uh, acorns or almonds or walnuts or something like that, they're, you know, they got a you know full belly and they might not come out till like right at dark, but if they're out eating grass, you know, like they are now, you'll catch them all day long. Cause Do they full belly and you know, the grass runs right through them. So they don't, it's not like, uh, you know, a mouthful of almonds or, or walnuts or, you know, some of this other ag land they're going to. So is there, a, they, is there a time of year then if you were going to go down, like is now the time if they're eating the grass and the crops aren't out or is, or does it just depend on the location? I think it depends on the location. Um, I mean, there's some really great places to hunt where they're not, you know, pressured all the time from Northern California all the way down to, you know, Southern California. And, uh, I like hunting me around. I, I went hunting last week. I'm going again tomorrow night and, you know, they're out, they're out on the ranch. I'm hunting now. They're out all day. Um, uh, you know, you might see a pile of them in a flat out in the middle of a field with some of the cattle at noon. Um, do then they? Then you might not see anything. So they do just, they? You know, when they're they, hungry, they get up and they eat. Do they rut year round, or is that something they do in the spring, or um, do they? You know, do they spar and fight o- over the sows, or I mean, how does that? What, what kind of activity? Have yeah, you I a couple weeks ago I shot a probably the biggest boar I've ever taken, and he was he was pushing like 360 pounds, and I didn't believe it until I was standing over him, and I mean we couldn't even move the thing. And wow. that night there was, there was, I don't know, 50, 60 hogs or something like that. I lost track in this flat chasing sows around. Can you and share that story? Two can, or you, three. can you back up and share that story with us? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago we went to uh, a ranch in Northern California and, uh, you know, we hunted around and you could just hear once we got there, you could hear the pigs in the trees and you can hear them moving. And it just kind of sounded like they were all over. Well, once they kind of came out of the trees, 
there was probably three or four boars with 50, 60 pigs. And I've never seen any, any groups that large before in one spot, but there was a pile of them and there was boars chasing around some, you know, hot sows and they're breeding, they're fighting, you know, the boars are, you know, hooking each other and, uh, squealing. It's, it was, it was really cool. I mean, we, we were 50 yards to a hundred yards to, you know, 15 yards for a long time, just hearing all this going on, you know, before I was able to get a shot. And when I was able to get a shot, they were out in the middle of a flat field and I, I didn't have, I was standing in ankle high grass and just was kind of walking behind them as they were going. And, you know, they never, they never saw me. And, uh, but that, I mean, that, you know, that particular hunt, they were, they were rutting, you know, or not rutting. They were chasing, chasing sows like crazy. Now I, I've seen that throughout the year. I don't, I mean, there might be certain times of year where that happens more and more, but I've seen, I've seen, you know, boars breeding sows, you know, year round. Um, how many hogs have you killed with this? How many hogs have you killed with a stick bow, Brian? I've killed, I've killed close to a hundred. I was, when James wow. was talking to me about doing this podcast, I started looking at pictures and counting. And I, I think I was up around like 93. <laughs> wow. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get the, I mean, I've shot four or five in a night, you know, um, and I've had some really good ranches that, that I've, you know, I've been on some depredation tags over the years where there, some ranches were overran with hogs. And, you know, you, you know, if you catch them when they're going to a wheat field, it's, uh, you could stand there and, you know, jokingly, I, uh, I took a friend of mine's quiver, Charlie Bisharat, who started, started stalker recurves years ago. He made himself a Santa Cruz Island, a bow quiver that held 24 <laughs> arrows. What? I took that. I, I took that last year and I jokingly put a Selway logo on it and, you know, put the thing on Instagram and told Drew, Hey, thanks for the, you know, Selway. <laughs> and, uh, but I had a dozen arrows in it and I, I, I went through like eight or nine of them that night. And, oh, that's awesome. You know, I've, uh, you almost need a back quiver or a five gallon bucket full of arrows when <laughs> that's happening. Ah, that um, sounds awesome. Is that, is that picture yeah. on your Instagram? I'm gonna have to see that. Uh, I think there's a picture of the quiver on that Instagram. There may be uh, even pictures with, uh, I may even have some with, uh, with pigs with that quiver. Um, okay, I kind of did yeah. it as a joke. I took an old 66 inch, uh, uh, one of Norm's bows and one piece is like 58 pounds. And that had, I had side mounts on it. So I bolted that thing on there and showed up as a joke. And I thought I'm going to take it off when I go hunting. I thought, you know, I'm going to leave it on there. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, we ran through the arrows that night, you know, some nights you, you know, you might not see any pigs and some nights you, you know, you can see a hundred of them when they're, you know, when they're hitting that food source like that. And, you know, that night we were standing on a ditch line that went for probably a half a mile and it was solid figs and the figs were, you know, there was a thousand figs on the trees and on the ground and they're eating figs all the way out to the wheat field. And there was just, it was overran with hogs that night. And, you know, we, uh, you know, we shot a bunch of them and, uh, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, I think pigs have a bad name for themselves. Most guys saying, Oh, those nasty things. But I I tell you what, I've all the pigs I've shot. I think I had one bad one that, 
just it's it smelled like it was rotting on the on its hoofs uh, i mean they make you know some of the best sausage and you know it's a little leaner they're not as fat as you know a store-bought hog uh, so they're pretty dry if you're just doing steaks or something but they make a great sausage that's awesome what what about the uh the shield you always hear i always hear about the the hog shield that you have to penetrate you know it sounds like you're just shooting 50 pound bows like is that a myth or is there really like that shield that goes back behind their shoulder that's two inches thick or what there there there's definitely a shield there and the bigger the pig the thicker it is and i've shot i've shot uh 150 pound boars broadside and watched my arrow stop and i've guided you know, compound guys doing the same thing, shoot a 75 pound bow and they're just scratching their head going, my arrow didn't penetrate. There was 30 inches of arrow sticking out, you know, when that hog ran off and you know, on a, on a big bore, you, you, you really need to have a quartered shot. Uh, I, I feel like with any bow, I mean, even a smaller caliber rifle, you're taking a long shot at a big bore. You're probably never going to see him again. And you know, the butcher's going to call you and say, Hey, I just pulled a slug out of the side of this uh, pig you said you shot with your bow. That's yeah. happened. That's happened to me several times. Um, the you know the pig I just shot was by far the biggest you know boar or sow I've ever I've ever taken. And I shot him with uh, with a 53 pound long bow, and I was going to shoot the sow he was with because I didn't think you know broadside and quartered away. I didn't think I would I was going to get a good angle and the thing just turned and stopped like 13 to 15 yards, you know, quartered straight away. And I was able to get it in and I, I still caught that, that plating, mm-hmm. but I caught about three inches of it. And, uh, where it was a little thinner as it, you know, you, from the top of the, the back down that shoulder, you know, back 15, 16 inches, it, it, it's like a steel plate. I mean, it's like a wall there <laughs> and wow. it just kind of tapers up along the spine and going back. And it's, uh, it's tough to get any arrow through. What, what was no your what you're shooting? What was your broadhead arrow setup on that big hog? I actually shot that pig with a carbon arrow, and I shot uh, uh, Brent Hans the Valkyrie he had some his insert system with a Eclipse broadhead, just a just a two two blade Eclipse on the front of that adapter, and. Uh, it was a VAP, you know, 400 and I've got, you know, 18, 19 inches of barrel penetration and, uh, you know, it really did the job. I don't. And that's, that's with it. The shoot, shoot. That. Sorry. Yeah, that sorry to interrupt, but shield. that was shooting through the shield. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I think broadside on a big bore, if I would have shot broadside, hit him right behind the shoulder where you think it would be a, you know, a 20 yard blood trail. I don't think it would have done anything. Um, we, you know, I've shot a lot of them over the years and we've done testing, you know, we've, we've propped them up there and shot as many arrows as we could into them behind the shoulder, trying to penetrate. And if it's a 60 pound bow, 70 pound bow guys shooting compounds or, you know, recurves along bows, it, you know, the, it's tough. It's tough to get in there. Wow. Um, is it, is it I like cartilage? Two, I think a two blade broadhead. Yeah. It's like a thick cartilage. I, Years ago, I did a, uh, I was videoing for Larry Jones and, and Fred Asbell down on a ranch in Southern California. And Larry shot this, uh, 
great big boar, didn't have any teeth and this, his ears were all shredded. He's just an old fighter. And, uh, he gets this thing and we're looking at it like, and you couldn't even, you know, you were touching the side of it. And it was just rock solid. And as we skinned that thing, it looked like, you know, you were peeling two by fours off of its side. It, it didn't even, the hide didn't even bend. Um, and that's how, you know, that's how this one was. I, I got some great pictures of that as Larry's got his gloves on and he's working on it. And it's just like a two by four coming off of its side. Wow. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just really difficult, you know, to get an arrow. I, I've always, I love hunting them. I love shooting them. I've always questioned like, gotta, you get some really big, because I've shot a bunch of them, you know, and, uh, I always questioned, you know, if, if any bow would penetrate those shields, uh, I've stood there with knives and tried to poke through them and, you know, shoot four or five arrows until them once they're dead or something. And, you know, the quartered shot is the best because you're not going through that, you know, that armor plating could get, you know, I've heard guys saying it gets up to three inches. I've never seen one with that thick, but I've seen an inch and a half, inch and three quarters and it's, it's solid. Wow. That's cool, man. I mean, what neat animals, like you said, they're kind of looked down upon, but I've always, always thought they were super cool. And then what about like, they'll charge you and stuff, right? I mean, I've seen some of the videos. They're kind of mean. Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen a half a dozen times. It, uh, and it's not fun because, uh, you know, I, I, most guys think about a pig and they're big and they're slow and they can't hear, they can't see. That's what you're thinking, but they can move, you know, they can't, you know, they don't have much of a neck, so it's tough for them to turn. So if you got one running at you, you're, you're almost better off to wait till he gets close and then jump out of the way. That's, that's, that's where that, that's where the athlete comes in, Brian, right there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. There's, there's the athlete part. Yeah, Norm's probably Norm's probably seen me do that. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. that's, that's I, how I, you got the pro blacktail pro athlete yeah. nickname. Now, now we know jumping pigs. Yeah, doing matrix moves over there, pigs. <laughs> there's been some bow hunters in the past that 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 have been gored in California. There's a guy had an archery shop up in up in Redding. His name was Cliff Duel. He's I think he's wrote some books and stuff. Um, I met, oh, and he shared a story with me of shooting a pig right before he opened up his archery shop and he was looking for, it, you know, kind of rushed it. You know, if I remember the story, he's kind of rushing it and he's like, I can't find it. Can't find it. Well, this boar comes out of the brush and hooks him on the leg and he laid out there bleeding for, for hours. And I think, I think the story was there was somebody training, you know, doing like, uh, you know, like helicopter training like CHP or something like that and saw him laying out there in a space blanket and was able to rescue him and he about died. Wow. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're no nonsense. They're, you know, when they're coming at you, you know, I've had a lot of sows running at me and, but when you see a boar coming at you and if you could see teeth on a boar, it's probably three or four inches of tusk and, you know, they're, uh, they're razor sharp. Do you take, take a big knife with you or backup gun or anything, a little pistol? I never have. There's a lot of guys that, you know, that'll do that. I guess I just living on the crazy side, but I've had friends that have shot them and went in tracking them and laid their bow down and ended up shooting them with a, you know, 44 or, you know, something like that. Uh, the very first boar I ever killed, I was up in Hopland in uh, Hopland, California. And I shot it and shot this thing on the run and made a terrible shot. And 
there was a bunch of us. So I went back to camp and we came out, tracked it and get away down the hill. And we, we found it laying in this ditch. I thought it was dead. I jumped down in the ditch to, uh, grabbed my first pig and I was all excited and wasn't paying attention and it was a very much alive <laughs> and it jumps up and it's charging me and um, this friend of mine that uh, his name is Bob Ayers he pulls this 44 magnum out of his side and he's boom 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 and it's he's up on the bank and it's it's coming my way I shot an arrow into it and, and I'm like flying at the bank trying to get out of there and uh I don't know what shot, but one of his shots, he finally hit it and the thing piled up, you know, three or four yards away from me. And I went, uh, maybe I should, you know, I, I think about that story all the time when I'm tracking one <laughs> without a gun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It without a gun. I'm not yeah. very sharp, I guess. You know, <laughs> that they're, sounds they're, awesome. You know, pigs are, pigs are tough animals. They're, they're, they're really tough to kill. Um, but you know, they're, they're fun to hunt. Uh, what's the what's the closest uh you've taken a shot at on a pig? Oh, I've shot I've shot pigs at, you know, seven and eight yards, you know, laying in a bed. You know, they'll when they auger in and they build themselves a little bed, it almost looks like a nest. So I've seen them in a flat under one oak tree out in the middle of nowhere, just root around, root around, and they'll get in some leaves and you can't even see them. You know, they're almost they're almost tough to shoot. You know, a lot of bow hunters make that mistake of they get in there real close and they see this little black spot now, you know, you know, they'll tend to shoot high where there's probably 10, 12 inches of pig into the ground that you can't see because they'll dig a little hole and lay in that. And they got leaves and brush. I've seen them pushing up pine needles and, um, you almost have to get right on top of them and shoot them, you know, straight down. And, uh, that's when it gets sketchy. You know, yeah, uh, I know. Or, I know or South you, you South Cox has that. Uh, uh, is it Hog Hog Heaven? What's the name of his DVD? Yep. Jeez, um, I forgot the name of that. That's one of the ranches that I hunt. Yeah, and, and he, uh, he shoots Bob. some like sleeping and whatnot, or inside the holes of those pepperwood trees. Yep, a glory a glory hog. Is glory what it's hog. Called. Um, yeah. Yep, and that those those pepperwood trees and those uh, hollowed out stumps and stuff like that when it's pouring down rain on that ranch and they get you know heavy rain, the all those are loaded. You know th- there could be five pigs or ten pigs in those trees and and uh, it's 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 really fun. <laughs> um, but that that's that's one of the places that I would recommend guys going. You know to book a hunt with Bob. It's it's you know it's. I think he charges five hundred dollars, and it's like a twenty-four hour hunt. But you're, you know, you're walking the whole time and hunting, and he's got he's got the ranch all, you know, all figured out. You know, before you get there, he's got you know he's been watching pigs and boars and certain areas, and a lot of times when they're bedding in an area that you know he might find a boar in the same bed for a week, so it's easy for him to get a you know client in there on them or something like that. But and and he's a stick bow guy too. Bob's a stickball guy himself. And so in that 24 hours, I know a lot of guys, you know, $500 for one day, but that 24 hours, you're going to have some action, right? I mean, you're, you're chasing pigs all day, right? Yep. Yep. You're, you're into them. And, and, you know, depending on the time of year, you could catch them out all day. You could just be bed hunting them. Uh, If it's raining, you're probably going to be hunting their beds because they're all, you know, 
I mean, you might see a few out here and there, you know, flipping over cow pies or something, eating worms or grubs or something. But typically in a heavy pouring down rain, you'll see them, you know, in those stumps and trees and, you know, those little caves everywhere are some of the thickest, nastiest, you know, manzanita or, you know, like a juniper thicket. Um, that, you know, that particular ranch has got cool spots like that everywhere. There's rocks and caves and, you know, old, uh, old trees that are hollowed out and, you know, redwoods that all the roots are exposed and the hogs have gotten underneath there and, you know, dug all that out and they lay up underneath that stuff and almost impossible to get an arrow in there. You'll, you know, I've stood there for hours waiting for one to get up and move or, you know, reposition or, or rebed, which, which pigs will do if there's a bunch of them, you know, you'll get in there on a, you know, if you find a group of hogs and if you don't have a shot right away, chances are, if you just wait a little while, one will get up and want, you know, a bigger one will want a bed that the smaller one's in or something. And, you know, you can hear them, you know, rooting them out of there or squealing or, you know, a lot of the times when you're, you know, hunting them in that thick country, you might hear them before you see them because one of them, you know, big sows flipping a, you know, a little 60 pounder, you know, out of the bed or something like that. Cause she wants it or, um, but Man, so, that sounds awesome. so hunting them in the rain to the hot sun to, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter what time of year, there's always a, an approach that you guys take to, to get into them. Yeah. I mean, if it's, you know, a hundred degrees to 30, yeah. Rain and snowing, you know, whatever it might be doing, you know, certain times of the year, each ranch is different. You know, if, if they're hitting ag they're you know, it's, you know, June, July, when it's super hot, you're not out hiking the hills, you know, you know, you don't need to, they're coming to water, they're coming to ponds They're you know, you might catch them out in a, in a pond at three o'clock in the afternoon out laying in it, you know, look they, like a bunch of little hippos or something. Yeah. Do they uh, wall, do they wallow and stuff like elk kind of, or? Yes. Yeah. Yep. They'll get in a wallow and, you know, you know, try and get that cold mud on them to stay, uh, you know, stay cool during the day. You'll, you know, you'll see that during the middle of the day. Um, I've seen elk do that, you know, noon, you'll see a bull or something come out and they hit a wall in the middle of the day and lay in it, roll around and then you run back to the brush. I've seen boars do the same thing. You know, they'll walk out of a you know, walk out of an area and, you know, on a beeline, go right to that mud puddle and slosh around, roll in it, get all caked with mud. And then they'll, you'll see them walk back up into the thick cover. Um, I've shot pigs like that, you know, you know, as you caught them, but I've I've seen pigs in middle of the day, you know, a pile of them just literally just laying in a water at the edge of a lake, just laying there for like an hour, you know, just not even moving. <laughs> you can just see their heads sticking up. So you, you pretty much go and hunt them whenever you got a free chance. It sounds like at least if once I a month. If I have a free chance, I'm going hunting them. And depending on the time of year or the ranch, uh, you know, there's certain ranches I just won't go to this, like this time of year because they're not really there, but there might be just a handful of them. Uh, you know, if you get an afternoon, you want to go hunt, you want to go to where you're going to see them and get some opportunities. So, you know, so in a way it's like, kind of like bears. I mean, you're pretty much hunting the food source. Yep. Yep. Well, yes. I mean, yes and no. I mean, there's just some ranches that don't have a food source, but a lot of the ones around my area and, um, you know, where I'm hunting, there's barley fields, wheat fields, you know, they're coming to almonds certain time. I mean, they'll switch off the wheat and right. go to almonds. Um, you know, I, I shot a pig, uh, about three years ago. Um, we were watching all these pigs and I saw this one go into, uh, this, uh, the almonds. And, 
I thought I'm going to run over there and see if I can find them. Well, I got over there and they had quit harvesting that day, but they had a windrow uh, like a hundred yards long where they were, I think it was almonds and they had them all uh, raked into a windrow where the, the machine was going through and picking them up. And this uh, boar was just walking up and down the windrow eating almonds right out of the pile. And, uh, you know, uh, or if there's figs dropping, you know, it just depends, you know, on where they're going, what they're eating. You know, there's some ranches that have nothing. So you'll see them out rooting all day or, you know, when they're not eating grass or have a place like that, you go to, there's ranches in California that it looks like somebody has been running a disc, you know, for days up and down the hills. They're just so rooted up, um, you know, from them looking for bugs and worms and, you know, different types of stuff like that. Um, you know, there's places where there's wild, uh, onions and stuff. They'll, you know, they'll dig up a whole hillside to get five onions out of the side of the hill. You know, they could smell them and they're just rooting around, <laughs> just, just, you know, plowing through the hillside. Well, could, um, before we wrap this up, could you leave us with like maybe an, you know, maybe a real memorable story you could think of hunting hogs, maybe where it involved you or one of your buddies, something that, you know, that just, uh, you know, I don't know, something off the top of your head that you, that, that would be a good story to, to share with the listeners. Yeah. I, I think one of my most, uh, you know, fond memories of, of, uh, of all the pig hunts I've been on, you know, I've had, you know, nights where I've shot five or six or, you know, nothing or shot multiple arrows, but I had one, one memory, you know, hunting with my friend, Charlie, uh, down by Paso Robles. Uh, we found this big boar and I just made a self bow and, and I just finished it up and he was telling me how crazy I was to be hunting with that and <laughs> shooting wooden arrows. And I self knocked some shafts and, and, uh, we get out of the truck and we're sitting there getting ready. And he goes, there's a boar. And he says, I guarantee it's a boar laying underneath that tree right there. And we snuck up and I snuck up on the thing and, and I shot it point blank. And if anything could have went wrong, it, everything went wrong. I, you know, I'm, yeah, I shot the thing in the guts and it went 60 yards and then it turned around and, and came right back at me at the tree. And it was just, it was one of those those hunts that I always remember because, you know, we're laughing, we're trying to kill this thing. One minute, Charlie's hanging out of the tree and the next minute I'm trying to climb up the tree and this <laughs> pig was not, even though he had a bad hit and I felt terrible for making the bad hit. I, you know, I'd get up and run around the tree and I had a back quiver that day and I'd set it down and cause I thought the pig was gone. And then he come like trotting back over there. Like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you're not going to shoot me and get away with it. And it was just, I mean, we were laughing. We were uh, tears coming out of our eyes from, you know, laughing so hard. And, and, uh, one minute we're, you know, laughing the next minute, literally, you know, someone's in a tree because (laughs) this pig keeps running around us. Like, uh, we're like, this is like, it was a a robot and someone was up there on the hill, you know, Hey, we're going to, this pig's going to get these guys. He was looking for revenge. He was definitely looking for revenge. And, uh, but I, I think about that pig story all the time because it, it seemed like it lasted for an hour. It probably went on for 15 minutes before I was able to get another, you know, arrow into him that, you know, uh, that, that killed him. But uh, even when I, even when I shot that pig, uh, you know, a second time, he, he didn't go anywhere. He just stood there popping his teeth and he literally ran off, kind of went around this hill in this flat 
and uh, he just come like all of a sudden he's coming trotting back over there. I'm like, oh, here comes another pig. Like, no, what? That's my pig. The arrow's still sticking out of it. <laughs> and he just come over there like, no, no, you didn't, you know. <laughs> and uh, so you know they're tough. I, I would say if anybody's going to hunt them, I mean, I mean you got to be careful because um, they are, you know, they can get you. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So where can uh where can guys find uh Bob? Does he got a website or an email address or something that you you would want to share? Um uh Bob is on the hillside uh ranch and I to be totally honest with you, I think he is so booked up he's not even taking any hunts. Okay, um, yeah. At at this time, uh he still takes the occasional guy. I don't have his website. Do you have I don't know if it's uh, I can get later to you. Do you have any other um, um, outfitters that you would recommend guys if they're wanting to come to California that uh, are reputable? Yeah, I think Tom, I think Tom Willoughby down in Southern California does a good job. I hear that there's a lot of guys up, up in Northern California, up around the Red Bluff and Redding area. Um, okay. Gosh, I should have wrote some of that down before you called me. Uh, but there's some really good guys up there right out of the Red Bluff area who, who do some really nice hunts. I think there's an Arrow 5 Outfitters that does one. Um, okay. And I hear that's a great place to go. I've never hunted there myself. but um, Yeah, I've heard good things about their deer hunt, of that Arrow 5. Yeah, they have some great black-tailed deer hunts, um, and then they have uh, you know some hog hunting. Um, I think a lot of guys are more going for the deer hunts, but he does do some hog hunts there. Okay. Um, there's another Antigua. guy right around there that does a re- really good job, and I can't. I'm drawing a blank. Can't think of his name off the top of my head. Well, we we'll try to get some of that information, and we'll put it in the intro uh, for folks. Um, and you're uh, on Instagram and Facebook, I think. Uh, just Instagram. It's just Instagram. You're a smart man. Yeah, I, well, I started that years ago, and. I got too many game requests and my phone kept beeping and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So I deleted the, the whole yeah, account. <laughs> I hate Facebook. I just can't stand it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Well, we'll have to try to get some of these uh, pictures you were talking about and try to post them up onto our Instagram page. So some guys can see some of these, uh, some of these hogs and whatnot, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. I got a pile of photos. Okay. Great. Well, hey, Brian, we, we appreciate your time and uh, taking out with us and telling some hog stories. And we, uh, we're probably going to have to get you back on here because we know that you uh, have hunted elk in a lot of different states. And um, I know Bob is really wanting to hear about your Nevada bull that you took back a couple years ago. So we'll save that for another podcast. Oh, yeah, Ab- absolutely. Anytime I'd I love talking uh, love talking bow hunting for sure. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Check us out at tradquest.com. Keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. <laughs>